what is a disciple? Even as opposed to the question, what is a saint? Or even as opposed to what is a Christian? The second question is, what is discipleship? And the third one is, what does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I've emphasized two words here, Lord and Christ. For it mentions that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. What does that mean? What are we talking about here? What is a disciple? What is discipleship? And what does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'd like to read just a portion of the scripture. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I want you to think about that for a moment. What is a disciple? Because it says here, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What is discipleship that it says, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, who was talking? That's why the third question. What does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? God hath made Jesus both Lord and Christ. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost? whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Now the Bible gives another scripture along with it. It says, Any man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Listen to these scriptures. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. For what king going to make war with another king 
sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he may be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is fit neither for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Another version said, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. There has been a creeping situation on the ranch, which has taken months to come to full fruit. It has infected the church, including the in-town people, not all of them, but many of them. It has disturbed the brothers and sisters at Carlotta, and it's disturbed the people at Living Waters. And it has been the disease that has blinded us all to the vision that God gave to me in the beginning. Now, where that vision disappears, nothing is left in us except to make our little nest as cozy as we can because we never really intend to leave it unless it's to go to another nest. But we're not talking about building nests or building a house for ourselves. What the Bible is constantly and everlastingly talking about is discipleship. And I'd like to make a differentiation here if I can. When a person receives the Lord Jesus Christ, truly receives him, they are saved. Their sins are forgiven, but this is not discipleship. This is salvation. If this is what you want to settle for, then I tell you of a certainty, this church probably is not the place where you should be. Or in truth, it probably is the place where you should be, because I cannot, and I would find it necessary to sharply admonish the eldership, if they would ever do it, I cannot let you rest as a Christian. You must go on to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple is a wholehearted follower. Jesus said, unless you forsake all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. Now, you can be a Christian, and somehow on your deathbed, praying frantically, Lord, forgive me for all the sins I've committed and those I don't know about and so forth and so on. And oh God, I feel I'm dying and I, I, I don't want to go to hell, mighty Father. Don't let me die. Let me go to... Many Christians go out this way, still frightened of death, because they never became disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, I expect to see them in heaven. 
poor little broken specimens, having spent all of their life still trying to squeeze everything out of this world that they can squeeze out of it, avoiding responsibility, not standing up to life, not taking hold of the provisions in Jesus, not being worth anything to their fellow man, still hanging on saying, Lord, forgive me for all the things that I did today. Lord, I'm sorry that I did it, knowing they're going to do it again tomorrow. No value, no purpose, no aim, no goal, nothing. I found it necessary to rebuke the eldership in the Lord, which then included me, because I let the vision slip. And because they let the vision slip, until it was merely a pretty story instead of a burning vision that transforms lives, it makes me want to be a disciple because the vision is so great that I can never fulfill it unless God's miracle-working power works in my life. Never fulfill it. Salt is good unless it's lost its savor. Then he said it's good for nothing. It's not fit for the dunghill. Can't hold down the bacterial growth. It's not fit for the land. It's fit only to be cast out and trodden underfoot. And that's exactly what's happened to the church today. The church has lost its power in the world. Now God is doing something in this generation. But I tell you by the same token, the devil is intending to do his trip again. And it causes us to lose our vision and to take those things which God has most surely given us and to return us to nothing more than a group of people, each one dead set to get out of everyone else everything he can to provide for his own comfort, his own future, his own happiness. When I tell you of a certainty, brother, sister, this world is going to hell. It is coming apart as the seams. That's not what I'm referring to. The governments are collapsing. The economic system has reached the limit. Psychologically, emotionally, every other way, people are coming to the end of themselves. And the only hope for these hell-bound lost people, this world that's going to hell, are not Christians. The world is loaded with Christians. What God wants and needs and demands is disciples. That word means a whole-hearted follower. What is discipleship? What does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord? Our brother Dane got up and said, discipleship or disciple means to be wholeheartedly following or wholeheartedly committed to the teachings of some person. All right, that's true. That's what it means. If you just take the word disciple, because it could be a disciple of Marx or a disciple of Lenin or a disciple of Socrates. But it means if he's a disciple of Lenin, he's a wholehearted follower. He's committed. He's with him. He is ready to submit, commit, 
give up sacrifice, die for those beliefs. But I'm not asking you what is a disciple, period. Stop. That's the question. Want a definition? Or what is discipleship? I really want to know what does it mean to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me read another scripture. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Okay? Believed on him. There are many people in the world who believe on Jesus. They're Christians. That's the definition. They're saints. That's the definition. Paul rebuked them in some cases. He said, you fight war among yourselves. Some of you get drunk, he said, in the Lord's Supper. Others of you, he said, are sick. Others, he said, sleep prematurely. You're dead prematurely. They already died because they didn't discern the Lord's body. Call them saints. They weren't disciples. Never had any rebukes for the disciples. Admonished them, corrected them, slapped them occasionally, but not that kind of rebuke. Called the Christians, he said, are you in our carnal? The one says, I'm a Paul, one says, I'm a Paulus, one, I'm a Cephas, and the other one says, I'm a Christ. He said, are you not carnal? That's not disciples. Let me read. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. See, they believed on him. That put an end. Now you want to be disciples? Continue in his word. Commitment. Abandonment. Surrender. Obedience. Oh, how we don't, as humans, like those words when we have to translate them into action. See? Ah, brother, I'm all. Yes, commitment. Thank you, Lord. I'm committed. And someone says the next morning, let's get up and do this. Wait a minute. Or an elder gets up and says, brother, we must do such and such. Wait a minute, who are you to talk to? The Bible says, obey them. And I stand behind authority of the eldership that I have ordained in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I commanded them, rebuked them, admonished them, directed them. And they went forth to do that which they had been commanded to do. I don't like it. They don't like it. You don't like it. But there's one thing I do like. I want that name, that name, and that name applied to me. And to you. And to all of us. Now I tell you something. I walked out of this church three times. Because it was filling up with Christians. I'm not against Christians, but I have been commanded by God. You see, the job of a pastor is to shepherd Christians. At that time, my office was that of a prophet, and he called me to go find disciples. Make disciples, the Bible says. Make disciples. Now, I am interested in making Christians, amen. Lord, give me thousands of them, and he's given me a whole lot more Christians that are here tonight. Many people have come under the sound of my ministry, the gift that God has given me, and their lives have been converted, and they're living for Jesus here, there, and everywhere. But they never wanted to be disciples. Never want. Said, well, man, don't push me now, man. You know, I'm following the Lord, and that's it now. But, man, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to keep on with this, and I want to keep on with that. Okay, brother. May God open your eyes somewhere down the line. 
May you open to an understanding that takes you beyond yourself to understand what we're talking about when we say discipleship. When we say that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son and Jesus being a disciple of the Father came into this world to be rejected, to bleed, to die, to give up everything, to suffer. Why? Because he was a disciple and that's what his father wanted. His father wanted to reach out and make an opportunity for the world to be saved. And there was no way it could be done except for discipleship to take hold in the life of Jesus. Now, believe me, Jesus was always a disciple of the Father, eternally a disciple of the Father, wholeheartedly committed. Jesus said, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. God wants disciples. Jesus wants disciples. He wants people that are going to say to their elders, to those with the gifts of God in their life, teach me the Word. Show me how to live it. Train me up in the way I should go. I want to be a soldier. I want to be a follower. I want to be a disciple. I want to do what God wants me to do. That's discipleship. Christians say, oh, I'm glad I'm saved. It's wonderful, wonderful. Let's do some work. Bro, don't bother me, brother. I'm thinking about the good things of life, and it's so wonderful. There's a great difference between a believer and a disciple. Now, I tell you for sure, I love Christians everywhere. All kinds of them I love. But I've got only one message that has any meaning. And that is discipleship. Discipleship. I need a hundred disciples. A thousand disciples. And the words that I speak to you, I speak not of myself. I tell you, my Heavenly Father is giving me these words. God needs a hundred disciples. A thousand disciples. A million disciples. Now where is he going to get them? Well, it's got to be an individual commitment on every one of your parts. And my part, well, I made mine long ago. Lord Jesus, make me a disciple. Break me, beat me, smash me. Anything you have to do. But when it's all over, let my tongue be the oracle of God. Let my eyes see like you see. Let my body go where you want it to go. Let my expression of life be the expression of the life of Jesus Christ. Now, I'll tell you something. You and I, all of us, are filled with such rotten garbage out of our former lives that, brother, you have to be completely born again. You have to be completely retrained. You have to be beaten and smashed and crushed and twisted and rolled over until nothing is left of the old self. It's all rooted out, and nothing is left. Nothing is left except the pure life of Jesus Christ. And brother, you have to conform yourself by the glory and the grace of the Spirit to this Word. Word. And one of the hardest things for this generation, it's, it's one of the things that the devil has fought me the hardest on. 
I've been accused of all kinds of things under the sun because I advocate and strongly push this deal. If I want to build a church of Christians, have no trouble doing it at all. There would be no Carlotta with its split stuff. There would be no bakery with its donut carts. There would be no Tri-City Advertiser with its sales and layout people and all of the hours that they have to put in. I'd get my preacher bedside manner out and get it operating again and fill the place up with Christians. May God use those working experiences to separate the Christians from the ones that are hard-heartedly, not hard-hearted in the world sense, but in the sense that they're turning away from every other thing. They're making up their minds to be disciples, and they realize that every one of these things have been created to train you in discipleship. Why do you think I've allowed the ranch to grow to the size it has? Because the Bible forbids me to do anything else. Now in time we may change it, but the policy must never change. I could do nothing else than what I did. The Bible lays down a lesson to me. It says, whosoever will may come. Oh, someone says, Brother Durkin, you don't realize what you're doing. You don't care. People are crowded in. You have no compassion, no mercy. Certainly I have compassion and mercy. God knows. And if I lie, then the Holy Spirit knows that. And I lie now to tell you the truth in Christ. But there is no way that I can, as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a Christian, I have no trouble doing it at all. I've been advised by Christians to do it. Plenty of them. Smart Christians, intelligent ones, brilliant ones, intellectual Christians that don't know the word or the power thereof. Some poor, broken hulk of humanity. Their mind fouled up with drugs. Their body may be racked with disease. Sick, hungry, tired, weary. Men, women, little children parting them sometimes, walking in the door and saying, can I stay here? Christians say, well, if you have this many, you should say, no, you can't stay here. And How do you think I can do that when this book says whosoever will may come? I know of no way. But I do know this. That ranch has been overcrowded to the point where we are no longer serving the people because they're so overcrowded we can't meet their needs. And therefore, it is a reason to stop the number coming to the ranch. But now we must spread out into the community and make room for these people which are coming. And brother, they're going to come and come and come and come and come because there is an answer here in Christ. And some of those poor hulks which come to us wrecked and ruined, one day we'll be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ because we're going to reach out our hand to them and take care of them. That's what we're talking about, discipleship. I'm not playing some game, and I care nothing for criticism. To hell with it. It's where it came from. says the wisdom which cometh from above is first peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, 
says that wisdom which cometh from below, in other words, from hell, is earthly, sensual, devilish, wicked, carnal, sensual, came from hell to hell with it. And I tell you something, you better learn to care nothing for criticism. You better ask the Lord to take that egotistical reaction out of you. So when people say, you are... Say, just talk on, buddy. I've got something I have to do in this world. You keep on the way you're going and somebody will kill you. Even that's in the Lord's hands. Nobody can kill you. Nobody can do it unless it be God's time. And then if it is... Let's ask God by what death we can glorify him. Hallelujah. That's what is said about Peter. Jesus said, Peter, when you were young, you went where you would. You girded yourself and you went where you would. But when you're old, men will gird you, stretch out your arms and take you where you would not. This is said signifying by what death Peter would glorify God. Do you think it's a bad thing to be killed for the gospel? Nothing bad. It's glorious. Hallelujah. Now, whether we go by the rapture, or whether we go by natural sleep, the death, or whether we be martyred, whatever way he chooses, do it being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me read these scriptures again, and then you can take these home and study. Now, if you'd like to take your Bibles, turn to it. I'll let you follow it. It's Luke 14th chapter. In verse 26, some brothers have confessed, I also confess. The last three or four months, I've become personally weary of criticism. And it begun to get to me. And I had to renew that high consecration I made to God years ago when I said I make up my mind to one thing, Father. You see, all of my young life as a Christian, and I was a Christian, and I was a preacher, and I was filled with the Spirit, but I never was a disciple. In all of that young life, the reason why I wasn't, the Bible says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And I was afraid of what men would say and think. And all of my life was beat around by this and this and this and this, always trying to please men so that everybody would like me. And I saw the shambles it made of my life. And when God put me together about 14, 15 years ago, I arrived at one great truth. That no matter what I do, I'm not going to please everybody. That I know. So I better make up my mind, since I'm not going to please everybody, who I'm going to please. Now, Paul said, if I be a pleaser of men, then I cannot be a servant of God. Because the two of them don't go together. You see, to serve God means to constantly confront men, even Christian men. Because they're going on their carnal path, and you're serving God, and you say, Stop! That's wrong! Wait a minute, who are you to talk to me like that? I won't put up with it. It's all right, do as you please. But I told you what the truth was, now that's it. If you have the authority to make them obey, you make them obey. And then they turn around in later years and say, God bless you, brother that you stood up to me and told me the truth. So I had to make up my mind. And I made up my mind this way. I'm going to please God. 
And then if there are other people trying to please God, they're going to be with me. I don't know if they'll always like me, but they're going to be with me. But I'm going to please God. And those people who don't want to please God, they think they're my enemies. But I'm not their enemy. I'm their friend. Because the only kind of friend that exists in this world is one who will tell you the truth. And I'm trying to tell you the truth. The Bible says, I'm going to read it to you. This is not what I'm saying. This is what the Lord says. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, and I'm not even going to explain that. I'm not even going to explain it. You search it out for yourself what it means. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counted the cost whether he has sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand, to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the other is in John 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And let me read the verse following it, because it climaxes this message. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now, I want to pass a little word along to you. There are some of you that need endless counseling sessions. You get counseled, and you get counseled. And you get counseled, and you get counseled. Some counseling is right and proper. But when you find yourself going back again and again, I used to be puzzled with this as a pastor. After I had come back to the Lord Jesus Christ in a powerful way, and I would minister to persons a powerful truth, and they would hear it, thank you, pastor, thank you, thank you, pastor. And they would go out and call up three days later, three hours later, three weeks later, never very long later, come back again, and go exactly through the same routine and receive the same answer. I know one person who has been married five times. And three out of those five times came to me and said, should I get married? And I said, here's what the Word of God says. 
They said to me, thank you, I'll go pray about it. And then they went right ahead and got married. Five times. Christian. Not a disciple. When you find a man that is a disciple, the Bible says, the disciple will know the truth and the truth will set him free. And when you find yourself continuing to be bound, ask yourself if you're a disciple or just a Christian. Because if you're just a Christian, you'll be bound all your life. You'll be twisted and torn and fighting, and you'll never have any sense of direction. But the minute you become a disciple, brother, you'll be fought, you'll be hit, you'll be slammed, but you'll have direction, and you'll know how to fight back. And brother, instead of needing counsel, you'll give counsel. You'll become one of the Lord's men instead of one of the eternal babes. I've known people 40 years in Christ that are still babes. They can't give up this, and they can't give up that, and they can't do this, and they can't do that, and they can't do endlessly what they can't do. All of it is true, but only for one reason. They never became a disciple of the Lord Jesus. But the minute they say resolutely in their hearts, says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take by force. Lord, make me a disciple at all costs. Then confess your utter inability to be one. Lord, I know I can't do it. Nothing in me that can ever do it. But make me one, Lord. No matter what it takes, I want to be a disciple. Then forsake all that you have and go follow him. And he'll help you. He'll set you free. And he'll make you a whole new person. Now, there's only one thing I ever tell you that's going to separate you from a useful life in Christ. And that's just whether you're a disciple or just a Christian. Now, may God give us in this community a thousand disciples. Because I tell you something, we'll turn this world upside down for Jesus Christ.